0: This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Vollmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family. We are going to be studying the subject of angels. God has assigned angels to help us in life. My title is, Your Angels Are Listening for Your Instructions. Your angels are listening for your instructions. All right, part one. We have two parts in this little mini-series. Let's open our Bible to Acts chapter 7, where Stephen is preaching to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Here in chapter 7 of Acts, verse 53. He says, You deliberately disobeyed God's law, though you received it from the hands of Of angels. Evidently, angels directed the preaching of the old covenant. Now let's look at the angels helping us preach the gospel in the new covenant. Acts five, verse seventeen. The high priest and his friends, who were Sadducees, reacted with violent jealousy they arrested the apostles and put them in jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So notice that the angel gave direction and instruction to the apostles. The angel said, go and preach at the temple. Verse 21. So the apostles entered the temple about daybreak and immediately began teaching. When the high priest and his officials arrived, they convened the high council along with all the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported. The jail was locked, with the guards standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, they were perplexed, confused and worried. Wondering where it would all end. Then someone arrived with the news that the men they had jailed were out in the temple teaching the people. Praise the Lord. An angel instructed Philip. Some folks have this concern or question about can angels give direction to us? Well, yes, we've just seen it right here. The angel instructed the apostles. Now the angel is going to instruct Philip, and he is not an apostle, he's just a a preacher. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Notice the angel is giving direction and instruction to Philip. Go down to this desert road that goes to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship God, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to the chariot, and stay near it. Now, notice this the Holy Spirit is now speaking to Philip and saying, Go and stay near the chariot. So, Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please. Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled on the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized the eunuch. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God, suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again and went on his way rejoicing. Verse 40. Philip, however, appeared at... Azotus, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So Philip traveled up the north coast, up the coast going north, which would be the west coast of Israel, the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, But now this town, Azotus, is about 40 miles away from where he came out of the pool of water after baptizing the eunuch. So immediately, supernaturally, he was transported 40 miles in a flash to this other town. And then he went up preaching the gospel, traveling north along the coastline, till he came to Caesarea, according to verse 40. A very interesting story. So this is all supernatural. The angels appearing, the Holy Spirit talking to him, and the Holy Spirit supernaturally transporting him. I believe now, in these end times, we are going to have experiences like this, and they're going to be common. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1, we see that the angel appeared to Cornelius and gave him instructions, direction. In Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout man who feared the God of Israel, as did his entire household. He gave generously to charity and was a man who regularly prayed to God. One afternoon about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said, Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and the gifts to the poor have not gone unnoticed by God. So his giving was taken account of by God. Now send some men down to Joppa to find a man named Simon Peter. There's the instruction. Send somebody down to Caesarea. You'll find that out now. Let's read that again. Verse 5. Now send some men down to Joppa to find a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon, a leather worker who lives near the shore. Ask him to come and visit you. All right. So the instruction is go down to Caesarea, which is also on the sea coast of the Mediterranean. And. He is staying with a man there, and this man is a leather worker. And I want you to go find him. His name is Peter, Simon Peter. Ask him to come visit you. Ask him to come visit you. So that's the instruction Cornelius gave a receipt from the angel. Verse seven. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the city, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was noon. So in the Mediterranean, they have flat roofs. If you've ever been there, I have. Pastor Bev has. We took a tour there one time. They have flat roofs and they're built with concrete, white, musty white houses. And he's sitting up there, and they had usually some furniture of sorts up there, so people can watch the sunset and relax in the cool of the day. Verse 10 says, but he went up there mid midday noon, okay? And he was hungry, and while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. In other words, he had a vision. Uh, Skip down to verse 17. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found the house and stood outside at the gate. They asked if this was the place where Simon Peter was staying. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, Three men have come looking for you. Go down and go with them without hesitation. All is well, for I have sent them. Now the Holy Spirit said to Peter, I sent them. Now we just read where the angel spoke to Cornelius, right, and told him to send men. But here the Holy Spirit says, He sent him. So what's going on? Well, evidently, angels are being instructed by the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. All right. Now, let's talk about a different subject. When somebody dies, and they come out of their body, they're either taken by evil spirits who are hanging around waiting for them down into the flames of hell, or they're taken by angels into heaven, in the presence of God. We can see this in Luke chapter 16, when Jesus tells us what happened to the evil rich man and to Lazarus. Notice what Jesus says while he is still on the earth. An interesting story here, which most folks probably don't think about, is Luke 12 verse 8. And I assure you of this. If anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I, the Son of Man, will openly acknowledge that person in the presence of God's angels. So Jesus says, if you acknowledge me, if you talk about me, if you witness to somebody about me, I will acknowledge you before the angels of God. Hmm. The next verse says, But if anyone denies me, on earth, here on earth, I will deny that person before God's angels. <laughs> why is that even necessary? Why does Jesus have to talk about the, to the angels about us? This is important. The question is, why does Jesus confess you and me to the angels when we are talking about Jesus? And the reason is, he's instructing the angels to keep us safe until the rapture comes. All right, let's talk about what are angels, what they look like, what they do. The Greek word angel, translated to English, means messenger. That's just one of the functions of an angel. That's just one of the things that angels do. They are messengers. You find that in Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels ministering spirits? They are ministering spirits. That's a definite additional piece of a jigsaw puzzle of what their activities are. Angels are spirit beings, spirit beings. They have a body in the spirit world, not a body of flesh and blood like ours. If we could see into the spirit world right now, we would see angels and evil spirits all around us. As we have learned, on certain occasions, as God wills, angels can appear in the form of a man. Let's confirm that from Hebrews 13 and verse 2. The Word of God says, "'Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, "'for some who have done this have entertained angels,' without realizing it. So the Bible says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers because you could be talking to an angel. It's very possible that many of us have spoken to angels without realizing it. God could have given us some direction through a stranger. Angels can also appear in their full glory. As we saw now in Acts chapter 10, remember Cornelius, how shocked he was when he saw this angel, this shiny being in his presence. And remember what happened to Daniel when he saw the angel in Daniel 10 verse 5. Daniel says, "I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a dazzling gem. From his face came flashes like lightning, and his eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice was like the roaring of a vast multitude of people. I, Daniel, am the only one who saw this vision. The men... With me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to watch this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. When I heard him speak, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Really what happened, he fell out in the power of God, fell out in the Spirit on his face. So we can see that angels can appear to us in their glory and also as a stranger. There are four different types of angels. They are archangels, seraphims, cherubims and guardian angels. Again, they are archangels, seraphims, cherubims, and guardian angels. Archangels have the highest authority and rank in the kingdom of God. They are the most powerful angels. At the moment, there are only two archangels. There used to be three. The names are Michael and Gabriel. Gabriel. Now, Michael is the most powerful angel of all. He's in charge of the army of God, the angels. The army of angels. And he's a, most, he's a mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Most powerful being that God created. And uh, then we have Gabriel. Now, Gabriel is a special messenger. You'll see him being sent, for example to Mary about her having baby Jesus uh, giving birth to the Messiah. So on special, special assignments, he was selected, Gabriel. And then Lucifer also used to be an archangel, and uh, he was in charge of all the worship in heaven, and the most beautiful angel that God ever created. Also very powerful, but nowhere near in the category or status of Michael. Nevertheless, Lucifer decided that he would take over God's throne. He would kick God off the throne and he would take over the kingdom and rule the world. Make God a prisoner. <laughs> can you imagine? I almost want to say a dummy can be and still breathe, but <laughs> he doesn't breathe. But I mean, how dumb is that? That this creature that was created by God would think that he would be able to conquer God when his very life source emanates from God even now. Without God in existence, he would just vanish. Everything would. He doesn't have a clue how powerful God is. His brain can't conceive it. So deceived that he could think a thing like that. So there was war amongst the angels, and Satan and his angels were cast out of heaven by Michael and his army. Jesus tells us about this over in Luke 10, verse 18. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Lucifer is one of the many angels that God created. And Jesus was involved in creation or Christ was. Lucifer is not eternal. He was a created being. He will live forever in hell, but he's not eternal. He he didn't have no beginning. God made him. On the other hand, Christ is eternal. He left his throne in heaven, came to earth, put put on a human body, and was known as Jesus the Christ. So, Christ was involved in creation and is eternal. Christ left heaven, came to the earth, as I said, entered the human body, and he was known as Jesus the Christ. Christ was there when Satan fell from heaven. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. I think you'll find this very interesting. How how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, Son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. There Satan is saying, I will sit on God's throne. Fourteen. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the Most High God. I will take over and I'll be God. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, which is hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. In other words, Lucifer or Satan is going to suffer the worst torment of hell. No one will suffer worse than him. Jesus Christ has given us, us being the church, the authority to use his name against Satan, to stop the devil from hurting us or from stealing from us. We can see that in Mark 16, 17. Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe. I wonder how many believers I've got hearing this today. Well, Jesus is talking about you. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. That's you. You believe in Jesus. In my name, they will cast out demons. There's no ifs, buts, or maybes about that. He said, in my name, you will cast out demons. It's not about you. It's the name of Jesus. Satan is petrified of that name and must obey it. Must obey it. Jesus said, whenever you use that name, I will do what you command. You're not commanding God, you're commanding the devil. All right, let's go Luke 10, 19. Again, Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So there again we can see that's the second witness. Christ has given us authority over over the works of the devil. Just tell him what to do. James 4.7 Don't be afraid of the devil. James 4.7 Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, I heard a story about Smith Wigglesworth. He woke up in the middle of the night and uh, he sensed this presence in his room and he looked to the edge of his bed and there was the devil sitting on the side of his bed. And Smith Wiggles said, oh, it's only you. And turned his back on him and went to sleep. <laughs> he was hoping it would have been Jesus. <laughs> All right. So angels do their best to provide for us and to protect us. However, our negative words allow demons to defeat our angels and attack us. Our negative words allow demons to defeat the angels and attack us. Be careful of those negative words. Our positive words of faith allow our angels to defeat the demons and drive them out. We will look at scripture concerning this matter in part two of this series. Now let's find out what these angels look like. All right, we'll start looking at the angels' appearances. Let's talk about the seraphim. Seraphim have three pairs of wings. They attend to the Lord, they fly around the throne, and proclaim the holiness of God. We can see that in Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, he was, lift, he was sitting on a lofty throne, the train of His robe filled the temple. However, all around Him were mighty seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with the other remaining two wings they flew. In a great chorus they sang as they went round and round the throne, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full with His glory. The glorious singing shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire sanctuary was filled with smoke or the glory cloud. Now, these seraphim have been doing that for all eternity. For all eternity past, these seraphim have been flying around the throne of God, saying, holy, holy, holy. One would think, well, wouldn't they get bored doing that for all eternity? The fact is, no. Every time they come around God, they say, holy, 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 because... They see and learn something more about God that they never knew before and it just totally blows them away. So they have been doing this for all eternity, learning more about God. Can you imagine how much there is to learn about God? We haven't even started. They've been there for eternity. Since they were created, doing that. Family of God, I promise you now, we serve an amazing God who made an amazing group of angels, to watch over us. And next week, we're going to see how the angels respond to our words. This is going to be very interesting, enlightening, helpful, and powerful. Don't miss part two in our series. We love you. We're praying for you. Pastor and continually. And now I invite you, please, to close your eyes and bow your heads. For those of you among us who don't know the Lord Jesus and want to receive Him as Saviour, be sure you go to heaven and not to hell. I invite you to say this prayer with me. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross where you punished Him for my sins so I can be forgiven. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Thank you, Lord. Come into my heart and save my life. Thank you, Lord. Today I declare you are my Lord and I'll live for you with all my heart until I see you face to face. Praise God. Well, we love you, family, and we'll keep praying for you. Pray for us too.